uh, for those who are interested in that. Um, but it was requested that we'd go through these sort of one at a time as much as possible um, and then have people, as we go through them, think, which of these things do I maybe need to focus on right now? And so we're going to be handing out some pens in a minute. And um, as we go through these, just put a little mark or a star or whatever you want by maybe five or so. So if, if one jumps out at you for any reason, just put a mark by it. You can always disregard it if you want to disobey. I mean, if you want to disregard. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, but put a mark by it if something strikes you about that. Like, yeah, I think there's something for me here. I think, there, I think there's an aspect of this truth that God wants me to get a hold of or get a hold of at a deeper level. Everybody, does that make sense to everybody? Um, and we're going to do this um, as an individual thing tonight instead of a group thing. And so we're not going to bring up in groups like we usually do. We're going to spend some time looking at this and then just spend some time in prayer by ourselves with the Lord. So a little bit different, I know. Usually we do group radical. time. I know, radical. Whoa. See, in most churches that I've been in, it would be radical to say, now break into groups yeah. and, and interact with another human while you're at church. Um, and so now we're going to be radical and not do that. And yay, cat. Everybody say yay, cat. Thank you. I was going to get them beforehand, and I didn't do it. So yeah, grab a pen, and if anything strikes you, mentally, emotionally, anything else, sometimes God speaks through our emotions, especially when our mind is getting in the way. And so if we think to ourselves, oh, well, I, I kind of feel like maybe that's for me, but then we say to ourselves, well, no, I understand that. I don't need to look at that anymore. That's not really for me. That's, that's an example of our minds getting in the way, and so the Lord is trying to speak to us through our emotions. So as we go through these, talk about these, um, just make a mark there. We probably won't. No. <laughs> we will not help each other. I mean, these aren't that bad, so that wouldn't be like the worst thing in the world. It's not a list of, you know, deadly no. sins, and you're going to be like, you. Um, that would be not cool at all. All right, so the first one, uh, child of God. I'm a child of God. That's the front page, by the way. I'm a child of God, a prince or princess in the kingdom of God. We've, we talked about that last week. We talked about that during worship for quite a while, right? That's the most important thing about who you are, is that you are God's kid. That defines you. That's what makes you different than a, a human. Because the Bible says, which is a little later, I'm just going to skip, uh, that we are a new creation through Jesus Christ. And so through what God did for us, we become a new creature. We're not just a human anymore. We're a human, Holy Spirit, hybrid being that is awesome and wonderful and something that Paul refers to as the great mystery hidden from the foundations of the world that God would actually put his spirit inside mortal people and make us something other than just mortal people. That's what we are. We're a new creation. And that childhood, being a child of God, is the most important thing. Um, and then last week we talked about how we're not just children, but we're heirs. And an heir to the king of kings is called a prince or a princess, right? If you're the heir to a king, you're a prince, you're a princess. That's, that's who you are. Did anybody have any uh, interesting experiences this week, walking around thinking of yourself as a prince or a princess? Or did you forget come Wednesday morning? Anybody? Yeah, David?
Because you have a responsibility as a prince to help people who are in need, which is good. That's really good, and that's a true thing. And one of the ways we can help ourselves to break out of the selfishness that is so easy to fall back into all the time is to start thinking of yourself as a prince or as a princess in the kingdom of God, which means there's a responsibility that goes with that. Because God has a lot of subjects, and a lot of them need help, right? And as a prince or a princess, it's in part your responsibility to say, hey, God, what can I do to help? What can I do to help this person? And that leads to some really great intercession for those of you who are more geared towards intercession. Because we are coming to, intercession is coming before God on behalf of someone else. It literally means to stand in the gap between two armies and to say, whoa, don't fight each other right now. So we're standing in the gap between someone else and either the devil or the world or their life situations or God. If it's time for God's judgment, we might stand in the gap and say, wait, 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 wait. Have more mercy. Give them a little more time. We see that a lot in scripture. Um, and so that's what intercession is. And seeing yourself as a prince really helps me anyway to do that because it, it helps me to see part of my responsibility. So being a child of God and a prince is hugely important um, we talked about it last week. Does anybody have any questions based on last week or based on what we've been talking about? The only other thing I want to say is that, um, you know, as children of God, that means we're related to God. In English, we use the word relationship, which means a lot of different stuff. Like, I'm related to Stephanie because she's my biological sister. But I also have a relationship with Andy. But those are two different relationships, right? Yeah. Two different relationships. Now, we are related to God. He adopted us as his children. It's right there, Romans 8.16. We are related to God. We also have a relationship with God, but we are related to God. And it's important to understand that there is a distinction between those two things because our re- the way we are related to God never changes. We are God's children and he loves us, period. That was a done deal 2,000 years ago. Actually, it was a done deal before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus saw the cross and said, yes, let's make people, and I'll go down to redeem them, Um, which is amazing to think about. It's amazing to think about. And so you are related to God by blood, by the blood of Jesus, right? So Jesus dies. He makes a way for you to be adopted into the kingdom of God. So he predestines you. Predestination isn't a dirty word. Um, He predestined you to become a part of his family. And when Jesus died, he made a way for that to happen. And then you, as an act of your free will, received the gift that Jesus paid for. See what I did there? Predestination and free will. They're both true. Okay. Um, We receive that gift. Um, And it's important to understand that that way in which we are related to God as his kids, his beloved kids, that never changes. That doesn't change based on our actions, on our good deeds, How much we pray, any of that. We are always God's kids, and he always loves us, period. That love is unconditional, and it's unmeasurable. He does not love you more if you do neat things. He does not love you more if you obey perfectly. 
He does not love you more if you never ever sin and sing like an angel and help the poor and are willing to hug people with communicable diseases. and all, Like, his love, he, if he's calling you to do that, he would love you to do it, yes. But the actual love of God does not change. It is part of how you are related to him as a kid. Everybody with me? Okay, I know this is Sunday school stuff, but it is, like, hugely important. Because what we think is that our relationship with God changes like the sand on the seashore. And the fellowship aspect of our relationship with God does change, and it does change based on us and what we do. If we never bother to pray, if we never bother to come before the Lord, then our fellowship with God will be lacking, and we'll feel something is off. I'm starting to miss God. There's something missing. I'm not filled with the spirit like I want to be. That's a fellowship aspect of our relationship with God, okay? And so we can feel guilty about that sometimes. we be like, oh, you know, God doesn't love me anymore because I have fallen away or I got lazy or whatever it is. But no, because the love and the sonship, the airness of your life is based on how you're related to God, which is as a child, bought by Jesus Christ. Are we with me? And so the fellowship thing is important, Obviously, we want to feel close to God as well as be close to God. But the fact is that we are in Christ no matter what. We are his kid no matter what because we are related to him and God doesn't unadopt his kids. Okay? And so, yes, when we're not doing the right stuff that we know God wants us to do, we repent, which means we turn back to God. We receive the forgiveness he already paid for 2,000 years ago, and that's it. There's no separation between us and God because of our sin. That's Old Covenant, right? In the Old Covenant, it said, your sins have separated you from God. And have you, have you seen, like, pictures of, like, the tabernacle or the temple? Like, there's, there's a big wall that's, like, the outer courts, which is where Solomon's porch was, where they were, uh, you know, in Acts chapter 2. And then you've got the inner courts, and then you've got, like, the holy place, and then you've got the most holy place, or the holy of holies. And within the holy of holies, it's cut in two by a big curtain. So it's separation, 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 separation. God's making a fairly strong point. You are separated from me because I am holy and you're not. Right? What happened when Jesus died on the cross to that veil? That curtain was torn into by God himself to prove that Jesus now made a way to make an end to that separation. So those of you who are in Christ, sin no longer separates you from God in the how you are related to him aspect. Are you with me? Now, in the fellowship aspect, your sin can cause a dissonance between you and God because you know you've done something wrong, you know you're not obeying, and if you're unrepentant, that creates an issue. But that's not God's issue, it's yours. Does that make sense? God doesn't turn his back from you because you sinned. He dealt with that a long time ago. You are not separated from God anymore. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. Okay? You are not separated from God anymore because of your sins. That's the hallmark of the new covenant. Everybody with me? Okay. Okay. That's important to understand because the devil will get in there. If, if you've been screwing around or if you've been, you know, just being lazy or whatever it is, the devil will get in there and be like, see, you've been messing up. God might not love you. Maybe you're not even saved. I mean, like, he, he, he says whatever he thinks he can get away with saying to us. And that's all nonsense. We are no longer separated from God because of what Jesus did. Amen. We are in Christ. We have been bought and paid for. We are children of God. So we've gotten through two. Uh, 
<laughs> see how far we get. Okay, uh, redeemed from the hand of the enemy. That, that's sort of a similar idea, right? Um, when we were in our sins, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, as Paul says in Romans 6. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and that means I don't know the actual reference. Um, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And then we were bought back. This is a metaphor. Jesus didn't actually pay the double money or blood and get us back. It's a metaphor, right? But we are redeemed from the hand of the enemy, meaning we're no longer in the enemy's hands. Sometimes we might feel like we're in the enemy's hands, like we've been trapped, we've been captured. He's got us, but it's not true. And if we feel that way, we we need to throw ourselves at the feet of the Lord and say, Lord, help me, there's something wrong. Either I'm really misperceiving what's going on, or the devil's really attacking me and I just need to be more humble because I'm trying to do it on my own. And when we try to do the Christian life on our own, we always fall on our face, right? Because we can't do it. That's why Jesus came. We're forgiven. We already talked about that. Saved by grace through faith. That's part of that predestination plus free will thing. So we're saved by grace. It was God's grace that allowed Jesus to come because we did not deserve his love. Right? We all know this. We don't deserve anything from God. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his blessings. But through his grace, he made a way for us to become worthy anyway through Jesus Christ. So now we do deserve his love. And now we do deserve his gifts and his many, many blessings. We actually do deserve those things, not because of who we used to be, but because of who we are now in Jesus Christ. And this is a big issue, especially for, in my experience, it's a big issue for Christians that really love Jesus. Because if you look at Paul, when he he starts out in his apostolic journey, he says, hey, I am by no means least among the apostles. And then he goes on to say, I'm an apostle for real, whatever, it's legit. And then he goes on to say, yeah, I'm not worthy to be considered an apostle at all because of what I did. So there's an aspect to which the closer we get to God in fellowship, the relationship is static. It's always there how we related to God. But in the fellowship way, the closer we get to God, the more we see his holiness, the more we experience his righteousness, and the more we remember how bad off we were, and the more acutely aware we are of our current faults. Right? I'm sure some of you have experienced this. And so I have often found that when people are in that place, they actually tend to start backing off, either because they don't like feeling like God is super holy and they're maybe not. But what they're supposed to do is jump in to grace 100% all the way and realize, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't worthy in and of myself, but now I am because of Jesus. Um, and so what people do is they shy away and they say, I'm not worthy. not worthy of God's love. I'm not worthy of his blessings. And so I'm not going to ask God to bless me because I'm not worthy of anything and I know it. Anybody with me? Okay, on that. And remember, that's all dead you. That's the zombie you. Okay? The old self was crucified with Christ. That zombie isn't worthy of anything. That zombie's not worthy of being blessed. It's not worthy of being loved. But you are because you are a new creature and a new creation in Christ. The problem is we still think of ourselves as the zombie. We still think of ourselves as unworthy sinners, people who can never measure up. The problem is up here. We think of ourselves that way, and therefore we say, I'm not worthy of God's blessings which is pride, like huge pride. It's huge, 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 huge pride. It's saying, God saying, hey, I love you, and I want to give you this, I want to give you that, and I want to give you this other stuff, and I want to give you this other secret thing that I'm not even going to tell you about, but it's going to knock your socks off. I want to give you all this awesome stuff. And you say, no, 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 I'm not worthy. And he says, yeah, but you are, because I said so. And I want to give you this stuff, Because I'm your dad and I love you. 
And you say, no, God, you're wrong. I don't deserve this. You can't bless me. Do you see a problem there? Okay? Now, this has been me. I've been in this place. It's called false humility. False humility. It's you pretending to be super humble. Oh, I don't, I, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But it's actually a massively huge, disgusting step of pride. I'm saying I know more than God. No, God, you can't love me. No, you can't forgive me. I'm too bad. No, I can't get blessed. And God's saying, uh, yeah, you can. Because I said so. And when I look at you, I don't see that filthy sting at center. I see Jesus. Right? He forgot our sins. He separated them as far as the east is from the west. He sees it no more when he looks at us. So he's looking at you, and he's seeing a holy, beloved, wonderful person, completely worthy of being blessed in every single way. And he's like, here, I got more stuff. How you like the last stuff? This stuff's even better. Take more, take more. This is so fun, and I got, I'm throwing you a great party. And, and we're like, no, 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 I can't do anything. I can't take any of that. God resists the proud. Okay? And so I know people who've come to a place in their relationship with God where it's not good because they keep saying no. No, I'm not forgiven. No, I'm not going to accept your love. No, I'm not going to accept your grace. No, I'm not going to accept your gifts because I'm not worthy. We need to let go of that. The only way to do that is humility. Humility is agreeing with what God says. God says, you're my kid and I love you. And we say, okay. Okay. And also, I wanted to say that right out, we are speaking about this, that during the prayer time, the scripture that came to me is from 1 John 3, 20, where it says, when, it's not if, when our hearts condemn us. So God knows that you know, we're going to go through that kind of thing. When mm-hmm. it happens, but we know that God is greater. God is greater than our hearts, as you were just saying. Exactly. Without pride, if we're saying, oh, yep. no. It's been an issue for me, for sure. And I think it's for a lot of people. You get closer and closer to God, you realize that you're not worthy. And so you start being like, I, I can't. I'm not worthy. I'm genuinely not worthy. But that, that was because I started listening to my zombie. And I started being so consumed with the holiness and perfection of God and then looking at my zombie and saying, oh, wow, I don't deserve anything. I should have been looking at the holiness and perfection of God and continued to look at that. <laughs> and not turn back to look at my old life or myself, my shortcomings, right? Um, I do think that's something that a number of people here needed to hear. I felt like that a couple of days ago. I thought about just not even doing this and just talking about that. But um, I think there's a lot of stuff, spiritual gifts, promotions and jobs, spouses, close friends, a lot of awesome, awesome, awesome stuff, callings in life that are way more successful than you can think of. I, I feel like God is standing, I actually had this vision of God standing in heaven with a whole bunch of presents. And he wasn't grumpy, but he was sort of like, wah, wah. like nobody's getting this pe- these presents. I bought all these presents for people and they're not, they're not taking them. Like, if God shows up at your house with presents, you take the presents, right? Hello. If I bought everybody here an iPad, okay? Ooh, everybody perked up there. If I bought everybody here a brand new iPad, stacked them up here right up front, and said, I bought all of you an iPad, you all get an iPad, afterwards come up and get it. 
Okay, I'm not Oprah in many ways. Um, uh, so I, I say you all have an iPad because I bought you one. Now, would you all have an iPad? Yes. But would you all receive that iPad? Maybe not. Not if you left without taking it. If you walked out the back or forgot or didn't want one or I don't need one or whatever it is, then you wouldn't actually get it. Or I'm not worthy. I don't deserve an iPad. I've taken a vow of poverty. Whatever it is. I don't deserve that. It could be that God's called you not to take it. But in this analogy, I'm God. <laughs> just in this, just for this one tiny wee, wee, wee little thing, I'm God. <laughs> and, I, and I bought you this stuff. But it could be if it was a random person, yes. Maybe God didn't want you to have it. But let's say I'm God and I buy you these. And I say, get them. Then you should have them. You should take them. But you're not going to get them unless you come up and get it, right? Sometimes we have this really, really passive view of God's giving us stuff and us receiving stuff. It's not passive. It's active. The Bible says, I, I, uh, the Apostle Paul says, I have laid hold of, I have grabbed onto that which Christ Jesus grabbed onto on my behalf. In other words, Jesus took everything the Father had to give him. And he said, here is everything. And the Apostle Paul says, I took hold of that. I grabbed it. I wanted all of it. I wanted everything that God wanted me to have. I wanted everything that Jesus paid for for me to get. I laid hold of it. You have to take it. You have to receive it actively, not passively. If God wanted me to prophesy, he would smack me with lightning and I'd start prophesying against my will to random folks. Nope. Not how it works. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Eagerly desire them. When Jesus teaches us on prayer, he says, ask, seek, knock. Keep going after stuff. Be persistent when you pray and keep asking, asking, asking. And that's how we respond. When God has a gift he wants us to have, usually he wants us to pray for it and be persistent and keep asking and asking and asking. But if we feel too unworthy, we're not going to ask. Right? God, give me all this wonderful stuff. It sounds selfish. But it's not selfish if it's what God wants you to have, right? And I'm not saying, give me that BMW, God. I'm going to keep praying until I get my Beamer. Okay, that's, don't go nuts, right? I'm saying things that God genuinely wants you to have, lay hold of those. Don't give up till you get what it is that God wants you to have. And so I do feel like God is up there with a whole bunch of presents that he has offered to some of you here. And they're just sitting there. He's just standing there with all these presents, sort of like... I don't know what I'm going to do with all these now. That's not true. <laughs> he's he's going to wait. He's going to hold on to it <laughs> for you until you come and get it. There is a season at which a window might close and you can no longer get whatever it was God was going to give you. Um, but I think in this case, um, what God wants for you, you can get. But you need to ask for it. You need to receive it. You need to press in sometimes and keep praying and praying in order to actually possess that which God has given you. Does that make sense? It's like we have the mind of Christ. And the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. But it's not magic. It's not, boom, new mind. Now I don't think any bad thoughts ever. No. We have to work at that. We have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to be transformed in our minds, to stop thinking like slaves, to stop thinking like zombies, and to start thinking the way God thinks about us. All right, now we've gone through like four. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. 
Yes. Yep, absolutely. One of these is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And another place in the scriptures it says God won't tempt you beyond what you're able to stand. That means that between you and the Holy Spirit, you can not sin (laughs) tonight or tomorrow or whatever it is. Okay? Which is good. Amen? We can actually become more like Christ. That's another promise. So we're justified. That means we're no longer guilty. It's also a really good show on FX. Um, But... (laughs) It is a good show. But uh, it means we're not guilty anymore. You're not unworthy. You're not unworthy. Stop thinking of yourself as unworthy. That's just your zombie. He's dead. He's dumb. Don't listen to him. You're sanctified. That means you're becoming more holy, which is what we just talked about. You're becoming more like Jesus Christ. And that, again, involves our cooperation. It's not magic, boom, you're, you're an angel or something now. No, we cooperate. We cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. What does cultivate mean? For those who've never seen plants grow or a farm, you know, like you plant stuff, you water it, you take out the weeds, you cultivate the soil. It takes work to cultivate stuff, to cultivate fruit, vegetables, any sort of stuff. It takes work to cultivate that. And that's what we're called to do, cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. And we're not doing it in our own strength. We're doing it in submission and humility to the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's a cooperation thing. God has called us to cooperation. We're a new creature. Already talked about that. Partaker of his divine nature. Already talked about that. The spirit of God living within us. Okay? Um, Redeemed from the curse of the law. Um, The curses um, against those who have sinned and all that kind of stuff. We've been redeemed from that because Jesus was made a curse on our behalf so that we could be free from the curse. We're delivered from the powers of darkness. Again, we're, we're we're not captives anymore. We might see ourselves as captives sometimes. We might feel like we are, but the reality is that we're not. Uh, Led by the Spirit of God. Again, God promises to lead us. He promises to guide us. Jesus says he's the good shepherd. Okay? His sheep will know his voice and follow him, and they won't follow a stranger. He is a good father. He actually is. He actually does want to lead us and guide us and, and help us to be more like him. It's not a trick. Like, God doesn't trick us into doing things. He doesn't, like, not give us the whole story so that we have to fumble around and figure it out. No, it's, this, is, this is simple. More humility. Throw yourself more and more at the feet of the cross. Uh, free from all bondage. Uh, again, that, that's referring to sin. Jesus has made a way for us to be freed from sin. A lot of times we think of ourselves as being chained down to sin, but the reality is Jesus broke those chains. But if you think you're chained down, you're going to act like you're chained down, even if those chains have broken. Does that make sense? Um, I read this in a book, and I don't know if it's true, but I'm going to assume it's true. Um, they said that in elephants, when they're being trained like for the circus and stuff, when they're tiny elephants, they'll chain them up to a huge, huge peg in the ground so that they can't physically get away. And they'll try to get past the ring that they draw around them, but they can't get away because they're chained down to this peg. And eventually, as they grow up, they don't need a chain anymore. They just use a thin rope. A thin rope that the elephant could easily break, but they never, ever do because they think they're still in chains. They think they're still in bondage. And so they never have the freedom that they actually could get any time they wanted to. That's just like what we talked about last week with the Israelites when they left Egypt. 
They were no longer slaves. God had freed them. But they still thought like slaves in their brains. And so they never received anything God wanted them to have. God wanted to give them vineyards that they didn't plant. They show up and it's like, hey, vineyards, great. It's awesome. I didn't have to do any work. Wells they didn't dig. Hey, fr- fresh water. I didn't have to dig that. That's awesome. God wanted to give them all this ridiculous stuff because he is unfairly biased on your behalf. That is who the king is. And you are his prince or princess. That's what he wants to do for you. But we can't think of ourselves as slaves anymore. We can't think of ourselves as unworthy. Because we're not. He freed us from Egypt. So what happened to all the Israelites? They died in the wilderness. Horrible. I don't want to die without receiving everything God has for me. And as a leader and a five-fold minister in this place and other places, I don't want to see any of you die without receiving everything that God has for you. That's my mission in life, is for you to accomplish the will of God in your life fully, to get everything God wants you to have, to do everything God wants you to do. That's my only job. And so remember, you're not a slave anymore. You're worthy, because God's made you that way. I don't even remember where we started there. Uh, yeah, why don't you, let's just pause real quick and read them through. Be open to the Holy Spirit to read you. Most of these we've talked about in the last two days. So let's just read them through real quick. And there is a backside. now and ask the Lord to show us what are some of these things that he wants to deal with in our hearts in the next week maybe the next months maybe it's something that we talked about Uh, maybe it's one of these other things but just take just a moment to pray and ask the Lord to reveal that to you feel free to mark something down on your paper and you know when the Lord speaks to you it's a good thing to remember that Keep it in your Bible. Keep working on it. The Lord loves to bring you closer to him. He really, really does. He loves to help you. And so when we cooperate with him, that gets easy. So let's just take 30 seconds, pray and ask the Lord to speak to you, and I'm going to pray. Repetition breaks things from our mind to our heart. 
Yes. Absolutely. And that's, that's the reason, I'm going to give you a little inside look at how leaders do stuff. Um, the reason I had you repeat over and over again in the song, Good, Good Father, we repeat it, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am. I had you repeat that like 10 times. Because, yeah, I, it wasn't, I wasn't skipping. Um, I was doing that on purpose. And sometimes worship is a great place for us to go in our heart when we need to start getting this truth deeper. It's good to understand things in our mind, but worship can be a great thing. I chose the song Good, Good Father intentionally for tonight because it's about identity. And it's, I know, very sneaky. But it's so good. It's important to understand he is our good father and we are loved by him. That is the most important thing. And so I had you repeat it over and over. And I do the same exact thing Paul does. I have this on my phone. Um... I've had things like this for many, many years. And when I get attacked in one area or another by my zombie, by the devil, whoever it is, or just by myself being dumb, um, I say, all right, here's, here's Romans 8.37, I am more than a conqueror. If I'm not feeling like a conqueror right now, I'm going to pray this, and I'm going to keep praying it, and I'm going to keep praying it. I actually say it out loud. If, I, if I'm really struggling or if I, feel like, if I feel like the devil is trying to get me, I say it out loud. And if you're not in a place where you can say it out loud without being... You're having your sanity questioned, go to another place and do it out loud. Go outside, go to the bathroom, turn on the shower, scream at the devil or God or your own soul that I am more than a conqueror, stupid soul. Listen, don't say stupid because that's not a good thing. But I am more than a conqueror. I'm not a victim. I'm not on the defensive. I'm on the offensive. I try to correct myself when I, when I do things like that. Okay. So I'm going to pray for us now. Um, in a general prayer. And then we're going to dismiss. But I'm also going to pray specifically um, for a few people. Father, I pray that you would help us to sink in deep in our hearts. Help us to see more and more over the coming weeks and months who we are in you. Help us to be renewed in our minds. Help us to have and walk in and live in the mind of Christ. To see ourselves how you see us. To see others how you see them. And to see you as you really are. Father God, transform our minds. Change us from the inside out. Fill us with more of your presence. And thank you so much, Lord, that you allow us to become more and more like you. Help us to walk in our true identity and to live in that and to not be pulled aside. And there are some here who that um, the identity thing relating to worthiness and feeling unworthy and having a problem pressing in to God for his gifts and all his love and the things he want to give you because you felt unworthy. That's for a few people there. So just come and get prayer from myself, Paul, Jacob's going to be here. Jeff's here to offer prayer. There's a number of people in the front and back to pray for you. If that's you specifically, please get prayer. Because when God speaks to us, we want to respond. So, amen. (laughs) I kind of went from prayer to talk right there. So, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.